peasants who the king of Twitter is, and it is not Hattiesburg, Mississippi. Well, apparently the NCAA thinks so. Well, the NCAA, as we know, is corrupt and stupid and evil. <laughs> yeah, I just – I don't know. Your antics – I will, like – I did. I, have, go to I have nothing to answer for. I mean, one I'm of calling us them has, antics for a reason. One of us, ha- one of us has to be good at Twitter, and it's certainly not you. Uh, that that's a fair statement. That is a fair statement. But I w- would I call this good at Twitter? Hello and welcome to another episode of Bad Take Flake. I'm coming at you live from the Applebee's parking lot in. Hattiesburg, Mississippi. Today, we got a very exciting episode. We are talking Colorado to the Big 12, an eight-game SEC conference schedule, super regional preview, but we start in the state of Ohio with the bad take of the week. Hey, guys. It's Drew. If you're from Hattiesburg, that's okay. I'm friends with Hattiesburg, Mississippi. I've driven through there. No one's really been there because there's nothing to do there, but... One light, two horse. I'm wearing a rainbow shirt, guys. We accept everyone. I am I am inclusive. We do not to accept all. everyone. We do <laughs> not accept the mustard pigeons of Hattiesburg, Mississippi. But first, we start in Ohio. Some people would call Mississippi the taint of America. That makes Ohio the armpit. Facts. So Ohio State fans are bent all out of shape because the SEC has decided to stick with an eight-game schedule instead of a nine-game schedule. We will get into that a little bit later in the show, but we're opening with our bad take of the week. Normally, we only do media members because, I mean, media members get paid. They should have a little bit of accountability to not just say stupid shit. But this was just so dumb, I couldn't let it slide under the rug. An Ohio State fan, Charisma the Supreme at underscore KTS underscore. I hate doing this because... I hate doing this because I don't like to give them this attention because that's what they want. They want clicks. They said that we would struggle with Rutgers. Y'all suck against good defenses, which is – that's all the Big Ten has. I think you're you're confusing good defenses with bad offenses, first off. He's got a series of tweets. This is the one that I chose. But to suggest that the 10-2 Orange Bowl champion Tennessee Volunteers – would struggle with Rutgers, who didn't make a bowl, is preposterous. Furthermore, he said that the Big Ten was better than the SEC, which is preposterous. This isn't an unpopular opinion among people who are in the Big Ten. I live in Chicago. I have friends, and you guys that have listened know this. Peter, I'll shout you out because I know you listen. I'm talking Iowa, Indiana, all, and they just, they, it. Let me ask you a question. What's up? Did Wisconsin have to play Michigan or Ohio State this past year? I think. Did they not? I don't know. I don't think so because they're in the Big Ten West, not the Big Ten East. The Big Ten West is a joke. Like, that might be the worst division in Power 5 football. Now, whenever I say that, you have to keep in mind the Big 12 and the ACC. ACC has divisions. Big 12 does not. I don't know. I I think you could make an argument. To suggest that the Big Ten schedule is easier – then the SEC is, you know, it's a clown car of buffoonery is what it is. The SEC, if you plopped an 8-4 and four South Carolina team into the Big Ten West, that's a 10-win team. 
If you pop I them into think, the Big Ten East, I think it might be a 10-win team. I, I think if you were to pop a team, and I've made this comment again, Peter, you've heard me say it. I think I over-exaggerated on previous podcasts about what he thought, but I've heard many times, if and I've said this, if you popped a team like South Carolina, Ole Miss – I think they, if they had to play Ohio State or Michigan every year, I think they would consistently beat one a year. I, you value Ole Miss so much more than I do. I do not respect Ole Miss at all. And part of that is because they beat Alabama twice whenever we were in high school, and I understand that. But this isn't the hookers and blow Ole Miss of Hugh Freeze's youth. This is Lane, Kiffin's, Lane Kiffin's Ole Miss who limped to 10 wins two years ago with one of the easiest schedules in the SEC. In the SEC, though, that's a, that's, that could be a tough schedule in other places. Well, it's like in the old NCAA video games. Playing in the SEC, you automatically have an A-minus difficult schedule. It doesn't matter what division. Now, if you're Tennessee or Auburn and you have to play Alabama and Georgia every year, automatic A+. Plus. So that makes a pretty easy transition into the first main topic of conversation today. The SEC has opted to stick with eight games during the 2024 season, which will be the first season that Oklahoma and Texas officially join. I understand it. That is next year, right? Yes. We've confirmed that's next year. Not this upcoming season, the next season. Okay. 2024. The, The plan for that is to eliminate divisions, so you will be getting rid of a lot of rivalries that have been around since divisions formed in, I believe it was 1992. I'm not a fan of the eight-game conference schedule. I'm not either. I will maintain eight games in the SEC is harder than nine games in any other conference, but you will lose a lot of traditional rivalries. The third Saturday in October, which is the the second oldest rivalry in the SEC behind only Georgia and Auburn, that will likely go away at least not be a yearly thing. And those are really the two pillars that built the SEC if you look back through the years. Not so much the last 15 years, but the first 60. No team has more wins on Tennessee than Alabama. No team has more wins on Alabama than Tennessee. And for that rivalry to discontinue, number one, it benefits Tennessee because Alabama is currently the second best program in the country behind only Georgia. And up until recently, Alabama was the best in the country undisputed. But they still could be in the last 10 years, but go on. In the last 10 years, they are. I'm talking the last two years, the last year, last year specifically. But to see, and like, that's a big rivalry, but there are other rivalries that we're probably going to see not occur every year. Florida and Georgia comes to mind. It's either going to be Florida and Georgia, or it's going to be Auburn and Georgia. LSU and Florida probably won't happen. I think Florida and Georgia will probably be the one permanent rival. I personally was a fan of the nine-game schedule where you had three teams you played every year. For Tennessee, it probably would have been Alabama, Vanderbilt, Kentucky. And then you flip. You play one set of teams every year, and then the next year you play the next set of teams. It's much better than the system we've been going with where you might play in A&M once every 14 years, for example. My big question is, and I've seen some people say this on Twitter, they're like, okay, well, when those – It'll be good for TV ratings because when those teams do meet up, more people are going to watch. 
I don't think that. I think the same amount of people, and maybe a little bit more, but I think the same amount of people are going to be watching that would have wanted to see that every year. I, I think you'd make more money in the in the doing it year, 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 year versus every other's because I don't think you're going to get double the viewers just because they haven't played in a year. I think that uh, that answer that you just gave is a coward's answer. It's not a secret why they want to stay at eight games. It's because the SEC is the toughest conference in college football. It's the toughest conference in several sports now with baseball, with softball, women's basketball, softball, especially whenever Oklahoma joins. And you know what? We'll give a little bit of spotlight to the Oklahoma softball team. 50 straight wins. That's incredible. That's a dynasty. Probably going to win the whole thing. Congratulations to the Lady Sooners. But playing in the SEC is incredibly difficult. Whenever you are South Carolina who has eight SEC games and then you have to play Clemson as one of your out-of-conference every year, uh, whenever you're Florida and you have to play Florida State as your out-of-conference every year, stuff like that tends to wear on you. It, I think it's more of a hedge to make sure that we get one, two, well, now with 12 teams, two or three SEC teams into the playoff every year. Josh Pate made a really good point. I'm going to give credit to him because I had not heard this point before but I tend to agree with it. We are seeing it this year where Alabama was 10 and two, Tennessee was 10 and two. The committee did not value those two wins the same as they valued the two or the two losses, losses. the same as they valued the two losses or they valued them the same as the two losses that Oregon and Utah and USC had. But those two losses are not equal. Alabama lost to the SEC West champion LSU and a top five Tennessee team. George beat Tennessee whenever it was the number one V one game. And then the other loss Tennessee had was a South Carolina who the very next week beat another 10 win team, ACC champion Clemson. Those two losses are worth more than two losses that you could find anywhere else in the conference. Even Penn state's two losses to Michigan and Ohio state, I think are not as good losses as Alabama's two losses. I think that's fair. And you'll probably speed me up on this. This is a little off topic. Because I know I feel bad and I'm feeling the pain. How bad do you feel for teams, and I know it's probably a lot, for teams like Memphis, all of these schools are, you know, they're getting into these power conferences. And at the end of the day. Let's put a pin in that because we are going to talk expansion in a full segment. And I have some comments on that because we're we're going to talk I know it's really hurting your heart. We're going to talk. Well, we'll talk about it more. I'm not like tap dancing on memphis's grave i do have a degree from their law school i would like for them to be successful but ultimately what has held memphis back has been memphis it hasn't been some conspiracy i, I agree with them. that we'll, we'll we'll get into that later so yeah we're getting rid of divisions which florida the leader for most sec east division wins and obviously alabama for sec west those will be retired the bright spot is tennessee auburn tennessee Ole miss Tennessee, Mississippi State, these are games that were played a lot before 1992, which will now have the opportunity to be played again. Newer rivalries, such as, you know, the Twitter beef between Arkansas and Tennessee has really kicked up the last couple of years. It will allow for those games to be played more in football. Mm-hmm. Bad news is Tennessee, Kentucky might go away. Tennessee, Vanderbilt. That'll, I think I mean, that'll end up being the yearly game because it's in-state. But, you know, Tennessee, Florida – if I had to pick like a rivalry, Tennessee, Florida is first on the chopping block. At this point, isn't Kentucky like uh, that game only hurts y'all? No, especially going forward. We I win mean, that game every year. 
Well, y'all lost it three. Was it three years ago? We we've lost it three times in the last fifty years, and one of those times was a five and seven season. One of those times was the worst season in Tennessee history, and another time was the second worst season in Tennessee history. I am so truly unlike Kentucky. Okay, so so why what why is that something like I don't I wouldn't. It's, why is that a rivalry? Well, I, I kind of get why it's why it's a rivalry, but you were saying like rivalries are gonna like that are gonna go away. They're not gonna be played on a year to year basis. They're not gonna be protected. You're gonna get one protected rival. Yeah, no, no, but I understand that. But like for that's good. That's good for Tennessee because again, that game only hurts y'all. It doesn't help y'all to beat them. It only hurts y'all. So wouldn't it like a, a good free thing win. for y'all? I like a free win. In football, it's a little bit different because you only get 12 games. Well, but this, we are only talking the football schedule. The basketball scheduling and the baseball scheduling, I imagine, will remain very similar. Very, yeah, just because they play. I don't know. I, I think that game only hurts y'all. So if I were you, I'd be like, oh, hell yeah. I don't want to play can like if we don't have to. I don't I, know. I mean, Ten years ago, that game only hurt you. But now that people are like, oh, Mark Stoops, best coach in Kentucky history. Mark Stoops, two, three, ten-win seasons. All those ten-win seasons, he's got a loss to Tennessee on his resume. True. Moving on. All right, let's segue into the main topic of today's conversation, and that is conference expansion. Now, we originally planned on recording this on Monday. I'm glad we waited because we have official word now that Colorado and Arizona are leaving the Pac-12 and heading to the Big 12. This is likely signaling the end of the Pac-12 conference. I have some very burning questions about certain teams in the Big 12. But right now, I think what we're waiting to see is what's going to happen with Oregon and Washington. As long as Oregon and Washington remain the Pac-12 has a tent pole to stand on. Now, vice versa to that, getting Colorado's big because Dion's there, but I don't think Dion's going to be at Colorado forever. I think it's more about the Big 12 poaching teams from other Power 5 conference than it is about those programs themselves. The only thing you really gain from those two conferences off the cuff is Arizona basketball. That's true. And- uh, additionally, UConn is coming into that conference in all sports. So... Their coach, Jim Moore, made a comment. It's like, we obviously we want to achieve the pinnacle, which is a national championship. And to say that at UConn is kind of funny, but it's also like that's what every coach should strive for. Them moving out of independent into the Big 12 makes that more viable. And also their basketball moving into the Big 12 is a real big wrinkle. We talked a lot about how great UConn was in the Big East, historic rivals. That was the reason they left the American Athletic. As a Memphis fan, I imagine you have to feel some type of way about UConn being invited to the Big 12. A hundred percent. And it, it, me and my dad talked about this the other day. It's just, I mean, we had a chance to join the SEC what 40 years ago, long, a long time, not 40, but a long time ago. Yeah. No, no. Sure about that. Positive. I'll call my dad and get him on the pod right now. He told me all about it. And But as you said about this earlier, Memphis is Memphis's biggest enemy in us getting in another conference. And when the we worst jump- thing, The worst thing Memphis did about it's, – it's been about 20 years ago now was instead of investing in football and basketball and baseball, they decided to take a back seat, let the Liberty Bowl run the football stadium, let the Forum run the basketball stadium – and just try to lose the reputation of Memphis State, try to be an academic institution 
which they never really accomplished because they never really raised their standards. And the only thing you did was sort of rebrand. And now I think a lot of the OGs prefer the Memphis State moniker. They do. And we we constantly are facing situations like we just had in baseball. Our baseball coach just left to Missouri. We are, are like we get these coaches and I get it like until we get in a big conference, we're a stepping stone. Always. We're always going to be a stepping stone. So this guy comes in the baseball program. We weren't incredible this year, but there was definitely a turnaround. Got some better recruits in, stuff like that. Well, Missouri. I would consider it. I would consider it a very, very large step in the right direction for Memphis. Now, there was some talk about how a former Memphis assistant is the one that poached him. I didn't hear that. You know, I'm reading the comments of the Daily Memphian, as one does. There's a little bit of animosity about how he left, but not so much on him, but on, like, I believe it was the assistant athletic director for Missouri. I don't know a ton about the situation. I don't follow Missouri, who I don't even consider an SEC member. No, a lot of people don't. But UConn to the Big 12. It's great for them. Sucks for me. It's just another year where uh, it's another team. Louisville did it. I mean, we've seen it a million times. Cincinnati did it. Well, I mean, Um, specifically UConn, because y'all were all set to join the American Athletic Conference at the time, the Big East. And UConn basically said, "Mm, we're just going to go independent and join the Big East because we don't want to be with these lesser tier schools. They went to the Big East, the whatever conference that all those – historic rivals have been minus Syracuse the Xavier Marquette conference rebranded to the Big East which the American Athletic should have kept the name in hindsight yeah I don't know why they didn't that 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 seemed like I think they were trying to kind of turn a new leaf but they they kind of turned on on that yeah. Big East this is the you well know, I mean this the is Big the East was able to keep like, like all this all this tradition with those yeah. historic basketball schools UConn has won what two national titles since then yeah. Is it two I mean, or is it, it three? It, it sucks. Look, as a Memphis fan, I, I've been stepped over my whole life. Every every about three or four years, we start thinking, oh, we, you know, we hear these rumors. Oh, we might get in here. We might get in there, blah, blah, blah. And yet again, we, we were just stepped over. And it sucks seeing teams like that. It, does, does UConn have a better TV market than Memphis? Yes. Significantly, though? Yes. One, one benefit, I will say. They reported that Memphis had the fifth largest TV market for game two of the finals. That's a step in the right direction. It is. Now, TV TV markets is like a real 2012 way of looking at things. That's why Rutgers was able to get into the Big Ten. I think the reality is TV markets aren't as big a deal with streaming. And what people want are revenue generators. And UConn is definitely more of a revenue generator at the big sports than Memphis is. And by the big sports, I mean football, basketball. So... You would go out and say you think more people – yeah, I guess you're right. I would say probably more people tune into a UConn versus, you know, Indiana State or whoever than a Memphis versus, you know, CBU or, or whatever like that. And, and that's kind of what it boils down to, who's getting, who's getting the most viewers on not the primetime games because obviously everyone's going to tune into those. It's the smaller games that you need the bigger viewerships for to cover the bottom line. Now, I have in my notes that the Pac-12 is doomed. I'm going to backpedal that. I'm going to no, I'm going to backpedal that. Now, hear me out. The Pac-12 still has they're they're in trouble. 
We talked about uh, Washington State and Cal and their financial situation two weeks ago on episode 15. But they still have Oregon and Washington. Oregon has been a consistent top 25 basketball program and a top 10 football program. Washington has floated in and out of the top 10 in football, and it looks like their new coach could keep them in the top 10. Or at least seems like he's there to stay, too. Michael Penix Jr. is coming back. It's going to be a big year, and we're going to see what's up in terms of the Pac-12 football. Utah. Now, their coach is old, but they are the two-time Rose Bowl champion, two-time Pac-12 champion. Not Rose Bowl. Penn State beat them in the Rose Bowl. The Pac-12 is not dead yet. Now, if Oregon and Washington get poached, it will be, and Utah is going to be left out of the cold. But until then, they still have two tent poles that you can stake your conference on, one of them being backed by the largest sports brand in North America in Nike. As long as they have Oregon, the Pac-12 is not going anywhere. On the flip side of that, the Big 12, like we just said, it's interesting that they poached these two schools that are not necessarily these giant brands. They're losing their tent poles of Oklahoma and Texas. And I'm going to continue to use that metaphor. And if what you if you don't know what that means, the tent pole is what is propping up your conference. It is the big brand that drives your revenue. Like everyone wants to go see Texas play. If Texas is going to Manhattan, Kansas to play Kansas State, the Kansas State Wildcats are tuning into that game. If they're going to Lubbock, Texas, the Texas Tech Red Raiders are tuning into that game. They're buying tickets. That is the major media market that is driving your conference. Who is that in the pack in the Big 12 at this point for football? I don't think they have one. And this brings either. me this brings me to a very interesting point. Is Nebraska better off trying to go back to the Big 12 to be that tentpole, to be the dominant guy, to resurrect the Big 12 Nebraska football that won three titles in the 90s and to officially become the spokesperson of that conference in the largest revenue-generating sport in North America in college athletics? In North America, I mean, football in the NFL is the is another – it's a larger yeah, revenue that, generator. That, that, that's like capital. another realm, though. That's – I'm going to be honest with you, Davis, that never even crossed my mind. And that is a very, very interesting point. They um, have struggled in the Big Ten. They're they not have. A, they're not a cultural or a regional fit to the Big Ten, but they are what we would consider a historic blue blood. At least I would. And whenever we were talking about blue bloods a few weeks ago, I think you said we have to include Nebraska. It makes sense for them to go back. And then, you know, maybe Nebraska comes back and the Big 12 is able to drive some new media rights deal. And suddenly – these other historic Big 12 teams, like the TCUs of the world, can begin to maintain success instead of just having, you know, one really good year in 2012, a really good year in 2016, and then we don't hear anything from them in between. I literally never even thought about that. Like, that, that is very interesting, and I, I do think – and think about what that does for the Big 12 – like that, that almost, it's kind of a give and take where that helps them just as much as it helps Nebraska. I'm going to read you off a couple things. Nebraska has the longest sold out stadium streak in the country. Major. They have an incredible fan base. I've interacted with some of them on Twitter. They're passionate. 
They go, they go to everything. They go to women's volleyball. They are not a historically good basketball school. They've never won an NCAA tournament game, but they still support that basketball team. I don't know if they're a historically good baseball team. They're certainly not particularly good this year as the Big Ten only got two teams into the tournament being Indiana and Maryland. And let's be honest, Maryland's a closet ACC school. I'm just saying it makes a lot of sense for Nebraska to go back to the Big 12 to be the football big guy and then allow Kansas and Arizona to be the basketball. Because right now the Big 12 is, make no mistake about it, with the addition of Arizona, the Big 12 is by far the best basketball conference in America. Go down the line. Kansas, Arizona, those are your tent poles for basketball. UConn, very well. I don't know if UConn's official, so I'm not including them as much in my mind. But if UConn's there... Those are three very good blue blood esque programs. And then after that, you have Kansas State, who had a very good year this year. They went to the Elite Eight, a first year head coach. You had Oklahoma State, TCU, both tournament type teams. Texas Tech went to a Final Four with Chris Beard not that long ago and has maintained some level of mediocre success. Historically, the Big Ten has has made a push. Not as much last year. I mean, obviously, Purdue was incredible. We're talking about basketball. I'm going to make the argument that the Big Ten is actually not that good in basketball. We just think they are, and then they play each other. Iowa, Illinois, Northwestern, Purdue. What have any of these teams done? Michigan. I didn't even say Michigan. Michigan. What have any of these teams done in the tournament in the last five years? Purdue is a one seed and lost to a 16 seed. Indiana yeah, had I mean, a I, I, Indiana the historic blue blood Ohio of the, state, not they, in the tournament. Well, I, okay, yeah. I, I mean, I, I'm more. What has Ohio State done like, since Greg Oden and Mike Conley? Nothing really. Indiana well, the historic no, they, they Indiana, had years. Indiana the historic blue blood of the Big Ten lost in the round of 32. The most exciting team in the Big Ten this year was Penn State. Yeah, and that's because they that were is, like a sleeper team. That, that is not who you want to stake your conference on. Penn State yeah. is not a historic basketball school. I'm sorry. That's true. You, of course, you have not D'Antonio. Michigan State. I'm looking at his face right Bro, now. I, yeah, I can, I can see it. He, 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 didn't he retire? No, he's still going. Is it Mike? It's not D'Antoni, is it? No, it's not D'Antoni. It's, yeah, no, they, they, no, yeah, no, yeah. Izzo, Izzo. Tom oh, Izzo, it? Tim Tom Izzo. Tom, Tom Izzo's Izzo. their basketball coach. Mark D'Antoni's their football coach. Yeah, he did retire. The football coach did retire. But you still have yeah. Tom Izzo who has a single Final Four. Is it one championship or there, one though. Final Four? Oh, yeah, shout out Jaron Jackson Jr. Great player. Yeah, right. I think – let me look that up because that's a good question. I, I mean, you watch them compete every year, but as far as national championships go, how many yeah. do they win? No, really I, I think the Big Ten is easily the biggest fraud whenever we're talking basketball. The SEC sneakily has become, I think, the third – this year I think they were the second best. But with the additions to the Big 12, I think they'll be the third. Well, it's interesting because the Big Ten is like the girl that your entire friend group dated in high school. At first, she seems great. And then all of your friends are like, hey, dude, if this is going to turn out bad. Stay away. Don't do it. But you're all hyped up on it, and they try to tell you. And sure enough, when it comes time in the, in the tournament, in this case, or in life, it ends up bad. Yeah, that's such an interesting analogy you used, Drew. I'm going to use I one myself. I love that my girlfriend just walked in you, when I was saying that, yeah. too. Are you familiar with the cheerleader effect? I'm not. 
So the Big Ten is a classic case of the cheerleader effect. You look at them as a group, and they all look hot because they're in a group. Penn State, Ohio State, Michigan, Michigan State. And then you start to look at them individually, and you realize, what has Illinois done lately? What has Wisconsin done lately? Even these quote-unquote hot girls, what really has Michigan done? they accomplished? Michigan has not won a solo championship in football since the 1940s. They haven't made, they didn't make the tournament last year in basketball, despite having a top five class to lean on. What has Ohio State done in basketball since Greg Oden? What have they done in football other than dominate an extremely weak conference and get blown out in the playoff since 2014? That's a good argument to be made. What have Northwestern and Rutgers done ever? What has Maryland done since they left the ACC? I, I think it might be, and I, I, I've been through it. I've looked at teams like I looked at Purdue this year and was like, "Oh, dude, this is a good team." And and and, people and then do you, it every and then year. you realize that they lost two games to Indiana and they had a first round exit to a 16 seed. Well, and, uh, when I really realized it was when they played Rutgers in the second round of the tournament, and Rutgers shut down Zach Eddy. Yeah, excuse me, Big Ten tournament and. Rutgers shut down Zach Eddy, and they had no answer. They had no answer for it. And that's when I realized, oh, these guys are frauds. Yeah, I'm going to come back to this. I'm not done with this cheerleader effect analogy. They all look hot together, but individually, whenever you look not at so what much. they've achieved, they a dog. This could be a new thing we point out. Yeah. This could be like, yeah, is this the cheerleader? Yeah, this could be something good. Yeah. Now – I would be remiss if we were to talk about conference realignment and we did not mention the magnificent seven out of the ACC. Haven't been in the news. Like literally the PAC 12 has been dominating headlines, but we still have these seven ACC schools that they're trying to renegotiate their media rights deal. We'll see how successful they are, but I wouldn't be surprised if the SEC made an addition of about four teams. You really think so? I don't think any of the, well, and uh, who do you think? Well, I think I think Clemson and Florida State are who I have my eye on. I think that's who the SEC wants because if they get those in, then they will go to the nine-game schedule, and they don't have to worry about that tenth out-of-conference game. If if that happens, is there hope for any other conference besides? Can't say the Pac-12. I think the I think USC is such a big brand that the Big Ten it'll be the SEC and the Big Ten. Yeah, but I also yeah. I also I think in that, twelve, but I don't know about that yeah. either. Well, in that scenario, I think Oregon and Washington probably get bids to the Big Ten, and then it mm-hmm. becomes D one major and D one minor league. God, that's gonna be it's gonna be fun to watch, man. But it's gonna be. It's going to be impossible to get a leg up if you're a team like Memphis. That's that's what I'm – I think Memphis would fall into that D1 mind where you will still play D1 teams in your regular season, but you will have a, a very different playoff postseason bowl schedule. And it might be good for Memphis. If you start having success there, maybe you can end up like UCF or Cincinnati, but you have to have sustained success. Do you think that it means – I don't know how to word this – less – I want to say fan involvement. Another part of me wants to say viewership. If if it ends up like that, if you end up in the minor and the major, do you think it results in a lower viewership, a lower fan involvement just because, and we joke about this all the time, but it's honest, it just means more? Not necessarily. I think the only thing you'll really see is 
more eyeballs on particular games because there will be more major games on a week-in, week-out basis. But the people that watch all the games will continue to watch all the games. There, We have seen schools that have come up from the FCS to the FBS that have been very successful. Schools that we talk about week-in and week-out now. James Madison is the most recent. App State did it. And then we've talked about other teams that have been able to maintain some success at a mid-major level. I don't like to use the term mid-major because it doesn't always apply for football. But like Boise State over the years has had a very memorable program. BYU is another one that comes to mind. Navy, Memphis, UCF, Cincinnati. Well, there's a long road that's still to play out on this. I don't think we're anywhere near done. And I think by the time 2024 rolls around, the conferences of the ACC, Pac-12 and Big 12, as we know them, could look completely different. Completely different. And I I will say, and I've I've kind of touched on this earlier, I'm a little worried. I do think that a lot of teams that a lot of people like could get left behind. I do think that if the SEC is able to add – and I'll, t- I'll go ahead and tell you the four schools I'm looking at. Clemson, because they play South Carolina every year. Florida State, because they play Those are year. two sures for me. Those are two sures that you have to target. Yeah. I think if you target those two, you probably have to target Georgia Tech. Yeah, well, they play Georgia every year. Do you think – but this is what drives me insane. I think Georgia Why? pulls enough weight in the conference to where they could be like – How – does Georgia Tech get in a Power Five conference or be considered before Memphis? That's insane. That is insane to me. Who won a national title more recently, Colorado or Notre Dame? Is it Colorado? It's Colorado. They won one in the 90s. Notre Dame's last one was 89. I just. Notre, by the I, way, we haven't even talked about Notre Dame. If all this plays out, Notre Dame's going to the Big Ten. All For their sure. all their historic rivals will be in the Big Ten. For sure. Anyway, it, it just makes me sick. And, and I, guys, I'm sure you're well, sick you about me hearing. Team. You haven't even heard my fourth team, North Carolina. That to me makes more sense than Georgia Tech. I mean, the only reason it's it's not because I think Georgia Tech is just a great fit for the SEC. I don't think that. I don't think they bring anything to the table other than the Atlanta market, which again, we don't talk we're not talking in terms of TV markets. That's a 2012 argument. Streaming has made that argument completely irrelevant. But I think Kirby Smart and Georgia, if they chose to make that like a talking point, they could I think they could realistically have the the clout to pull Georgia Tech in so that they don't have to play another Power Five out of conference. Kind of makes sense. Just makes me sense. I also think there's a decent chance that Missouri could end up getting the boot and we pick up like a Virginia Tech or something. Okay, so this is the last and time I'll bring me, this up. To, to me, I'm sorry, I, I want to get this one point. I've been trying to say it for like five minutes now. To me, the SEC is far more appealing than the Big Ten in the scenario where all that happens and the Big Ten gets Oregon, Washington, because the SEC has maintained some sense of regionality. I know it's a big region at this point, but it is the South stretching from Texas to North Carolina slash Virginia. This is the last time I'll bring this up. Guys, l- listeners, Tristan, who I know that hates, but he doesn't hate when I talk about Memphis, but he's way more in the SEC. Where does Memphis fall in this giant just the web. I mean, the absolute best case for Memphis, 
Get your basketball program into the Big East. I don't know. God, that sucks. You need a creative athletic director that is willing to make Memphis very competitive at some small sports and good enough at some big sports until they can maintain long-term success. This is like my argument with teams like Rutgers who are in New Jersey, who have very fertile recruiting grounds. And Memphis has a very good basketball and baseball recruiting ground here. There's a lot of talent in Mississippi. Memphis is much more of a baseball town than anyone would tell you. Houston, Arlington, Christian Brothers has more state titles and wins than any other school in the state of Tennessee right in our backyard. And it's ridiculous how little emphasis has been placed on that baseball program. I know people that though the ties are so strong. They're so strong. I don't understand why teams like Memphis and Rutgers that have that type of base, like maybe you can't recruit in football against the big guys, but you can recruit in baseball. There's only 11.7 scholarships and there's a ton of baseball players at, you know, D one level. And like, I don't want to call it a minor level, but like that Juco level that are looking for an opportunity, you could realistically build a competitive baseball program that competes with anyone else. The big 10 only got two teams in the 64 field tournament. Rutgers could hypothetically pull something together and find that team. Southern, not Southern Miss, Tulane won the American Athletic Conference with a 19 and 41 record. They have no business even sniffing the postseason. There's a spot for Memphis in there, and consistently winning your conference gets you in the tournament, gets you exposure, gets you better recruits, allows you to continue to compete, brings more brand awareness, and allows you to build other brands. Memphis basketball, huge brand. Use that type of stuff to build your other brands. Yep, I, I agree. And we'll Make Davis Crocker the athletic director. I'd love it. Davis, I would. I'm Luckily, my dad's been a booster for a long time. A little small flex there. I, 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 if, I, if I had to say, I'd push, I'd push it tomorrow. We, 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 it it makes ne- so much sense. Me. They would never let me in that office. It makes me – it makes so much sense. And we – screwed ourselves by buying into Calipari and forgetting the football program for so long. I'm done talking about Memphis. I'm you had a legitimate Heisman candidate in D'Angelo Williams, and you couldn't invest any bit into that. Couldn't do anything. We couldn't get him a defense. We could barely get him wide receivers. Yeah, I, I, I'm Go on. Go. Do it. I, Go on. I, Piss and vinegar, when, Drew. Piss and vinegar. When we bought into that fraud at Kentucky – we put all of our cards on the table, and then we were like, okay, we're going to be good. We'll get into a new conference. Well, guess what? We got skipped over again, just like we've gotten skipped over the last 20 years. And how did we not know that? Gene Bailey, family friend, great guy. You screwed us. You absolutely screwed us. We have no chance of getting into a Power 5 conference where we could really make an impact. And this might be biased on me, but I really feel like we have a leg up in recruiting. We have FedEx. And when you come to Memphis, there's a special kind of love that you get. And players can capitalize off that monetarily. And the fact that we aren't able to build our programs off that, and like you said, baseball and football, really in basketball too, because there's a lot of great basketball players that come out of Memphis. It's pathetic that we are not drawing some of those players in and keeping them at home. It's ridiculous. And it's the reason that we're going to get stepped over. We're going to be a stepping stone and we are the little brother to every school in the South. And we will be until we figure this shit out. I'm done.
I'm clipping that. <laughs> that brings us to our final major topic. Super regionals are this weekend. 16 teams left. Eight regional hosts. I'm saving one in particular for last. I'm sure you can guess which one. I'm wearing my Omaval shirt. I'm wearing my cream jersey. I am I'm revved up. It is a war on Twitter between the Tennessee fan base and the mustard pigeons of SMU. Could Hattiesburg be, be a better host? I mean, like in any world. We're not. No. In, no. No. <laughs> Maybe in the world where Oak Ridge, where all the atom bombs are kept, blows up and Knoxville's collateral. <laughs> Maybe in that world. But in, in reality, no. No. All right. I'm, I'm going to give you. We're going to talk about the host. We're going to give you a prediction for the game. Series. For the series. First up, you have the number one seed, Wake Forest versus Alabama, the 16 seed in Winston-Salem. I was very impressed by Alabama in their regional. I was too, and you sent me this earlier. I don't know enough to really make an opinion, but from what we have talked about, Alabama does look pretty good. And you could see see a flip there. I think Wake Forest is the third best team in baseball this year. I know they have the one seed. I know they're ranked number one. I think they're the third best. Alabama plays in the best conference. We had eight regional hosts from the SEC, 10 in the tournament, and we have one, two, three, four, five, six, six currently still in the field in the, you know, I liken it to the Sweet 16 because people that don't watch baseball have a better grasp whenever you say that. Six teams in the the 16-team field. I think Alabama has definitely played – the other two teams, by the way, are SEC teams, Florida and LSU, also still in the competition. I think Alabama has definitely played talented teams. I think they'll be able to compete. But the biggest thing I have working against Wake Forest is no number one seed has won the whole thing since Miami in 2001, and that was the first year that they made the switch to this format. I like Alabama to come out of this in three. Alabama's been playing a lot better since the whole gambling thing too. So they, they've, it seems like they've kind of brushed that chip off their, not the chip off their shoulder, but they've kind of tried to brush that, that negative attention off and, and, and they played a lot better. I, I think you could see a, a surprise here. Now, I mean, obviously this is an upset pick, but I don't know. It, it, it's more of a gut feeling than anything. So the next one we have is, 15 seed South Carolina versus the two seed Florida in Gainesville. I think Florida right now is the best team in the country. I I know they had a series earlier. I Someone swept someone. I think Florida might have gotten swept. I don't quite remember how it went. But the South Carolina team that's playing right now is it's very not. different. It's very different yeah. from the South Carolina team that started the year. I, I like agree. Florida to win this one in two as well. I do too. Perhaps one of the more intriguing games we have is LSU versus Kentucky and Baton Rouge. A lot of LSU regional games got postponed and it made the scheduling very weird. What was that? Just rain. Okay. It was just rain. Like they had some double headers that probably shouldn't have been double headers just because they had to make up for lost time. LSU is going to win this. They might win it in two. But Paul Skeens is the best pitcher in America. I think LSU is built to win a three-game series. I do not think LSU is built to win the whole thing because they have they are missing a lot of depth in that bullpen. I look for them to beat Kentucky here because they're the better team and they're at home. And, you know, they've got a lot of history and talent and some two Golden Spikes finalists on that team. Florida's got the third one. 
LSU is going to win here probably in two, but I don't think they're winning the whole thing. I think they lose in Omaha, and that is a take that I have had for a while now. Yeah, I mean, you, when we first got on to baseball, I think we were like – probably five, maybe 10 games in the season. And you said that you said, I, I don't, I, I don't see LSU winning at all. I agree with you. I definitely think they're going to be Kentucky, but and I almost interrupted you and said this there. They just don't have the bullpen. They, they just really don't. And they have as two it, really good pitchers. And then not a lot after that, whenever you get into those double elimination areas where you have to play at least four games. And if you get into the losers bracket, we're looking at, five maybe six games tough tough yeah i mean it, it's i don't know it's it's gonna be interesting but so they could they could win it all i don't think they can i'm looking at they, i'm looking they at got the bats that, for it they just don't have the bullpen for it well pitching is really what wins championships that That's omaha true. stadium is very different than their home stadium in baton rouge i know they might be comfortable there over the last 20 years but it helps to have a good bullpen. Next well, up, we, rem- okay, go on. Next up, we have the Charlottesville Super Regional, Virginia hosting Duke. I don't really know what to make of this one. I don't either. I've not watched a lot of ACC ball. I'm going to lean with Virginia being the, the home team and the seventh seed, so hypothetically the seventh best team in the country. I guess I'm going to lean that way for a three-game series. Uh, I did watch Duke in their regional. Fun to watch. I don't really have a lot to go off of other than that, though. I don't either. I mean, the only thing I see about this, and I looked at this earlier, they seem to have played very similar, not very, pretty similar schedules. Playing the ACC. Yeah, so, and, you know, Virginia's 48-12, and Duke's 38-22. and Seems like they played a lot of the same teams. It, It does seem like, you know, Virginia is obviously the better team here. So I, I have no reason to go against Virginia. I would expect that to probably be a three game series as well. Stanford hosting Texas. I'm going Texas here. And let me tell you why. I have been told by reliable sources that Stanford home games in the summer might as well be the St. Jude FedEx Classic coming to Memphis this August. It is a bunch of quiet golf claps. They have trouble getting the students there. So the the home field advantage, you can completely scrap that. Stanford has played two series against ranked teams all year, and they lost both of them. Stanford has beaten up on a very bad Pac-12, whereas Texas is kind of hot. I like Texas to win this one in three. I don't hate that. I I, I really don't. I was going to say this about LSU earlier. Expect LSU to show up. When, when LSU's playing, expect them to show up. Basically any team in the SEC, but definitely LSU. And, you know, now that you're saying Stanford doesn't have that advantage, uh, this is one of those games where you're going to have to go with the hot team or one of those series you're going to have to go with the hot team. And it certainly does seem like Texas is that. And that brings us to probably the most interesting story of this Super Regionals. Indiana State, the national seed, one of the feel-good stories of postseason baseball so far, they won their series, and then Arkansas, the other nationally ranked seed, lost their series. So Indiana State should be hosting, but because I, I they had to have known this coming in. Maybe they didn't expect to win their region, but Indiana State and Terre Haute are hosting the Special Olympics this year. So instead Terrible. of trying to rearrange their staff and – 
hotels and pushing the Special Olympics off. They're honoring that commitment, and Fort Worth, Texas will be hosting that. TCU, in my opinion, is the hottest team in the country. Watching what they did to a very good Arkansas team is eye-opening. I think they win this, this in two games, especially since they're hosting at home. This is what we, we were talking about this the other day, and I couldn't remember what team I was talking about, but this is what should have happened with Southern Miss and and, and now it's a little bit different because Fort Worth's we'll obviously talk about a lot that. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about this in a minute. But I, I this is how it's supposed to go for me. The national seed should host. There just happened yes. to be a conflict for Indiana State, and that's unfortunate. I personally will be rooting for Indiana State because, again, it's a feel-good story. But TCU's the hottest team. I expect them to win this in two. Definitely. Oregon versus Oral Roberts. Oral Roberts being another feel good, a four seed to win their region going to They're Oregon. Playing good baseball. Yeah. They're playing really uh, good baseball. I don't really have a whole lot to say on this. I told you earlier, I don't think the Pac 12 is that great, but I don't think. I, do I, I think a four earlier. seed is going to get. Do I think a four seed is going to get to Omaha? Not really. I mean, a four seed in the region. I looked at them earlier. They look, they look pretty good and they have some decent wins. Again, they're in the back twelve or whatever. I, I, I don't no know. Idea what, I, I have no idea what conference Oral Roberts is in. I, I I don't really either. But I looked at their schedule earlier. I looked at some teams that they've beat, and I don't know. They look pretty good. You Maybe know, we'll see them in Omaha. Screw it, Cinderella lives. Oral Roberts. There we go. Oral Roberts is our Cinderella team. We're riding with them. Let's go. And then we come to the one that I have the most personal stake in. <laughs> the Super Regional going on in Hattiesburg, Mississippi. And let me tell you, the NCAA is the most corrupt institution in the United States, perhaps in the world. More corrupt than the Security and Exchange Commission, more corrupt than the IRS, more corrupt than the CIA and the Office of the President of the United States of America. This is fucking bullshit. Tennessee had a higher RPI, a higher strength to schedule, a higher official capacity. I know Southern Miss had a higher average because they have more overflow. This regional should have been in Knoxville. We have the better hotels. We have the better infrastructure to host it. We were the number two seed in the better region from the better conference. We absolutely should have been hosting this. And here's why we're not. The former athletic director of Southern Miss is on the eight-person committee that decided who would host this. The father of one of the baseball players on Southern Miss is also on that committee. And then finally, the most crooked snake in the grass, John Cohen, who played baseball at Mississippi State. He could he was the athletic director at Mississippi State, played baseball there, could have been like his legacy. They would have built him a statue. He never would have been fired. Left Mississippi State in the middle of the night to go to Auburn, where he hired one of the largest sex scandal perpetrators in Southeastern Conference history, Hugh Freeze to Auburn. He, by the way, Auburn lost the regional to Southern Miss. He absolutely has a vested interest for Southern Miss to host this because if Southern Miss goes to Omaha, it makes Auburn's loss not look nearly as bad. He already snaked Auburn into getting a regional. They were the only team that didn't have a top 16 RPI to host a regional. We've been told all year, RPI is king in baseball. Tennessee 100% should have hosted that. I'm full of piss and vinegar on this. Hattiesburg might as well be a third world country. It is a one stoplight, two horse town. It don't even got an Applebee's from what I hear. Tennessee's winning this game in two. They are sweeping and we're going to Omaha. 
I do think I don't think they went in two. I will. I'm gonna play a devil's advocate here. I'm also gonna add. I looked at the weather report. The weather is shit in Hattiesburg. It's sunny and 75 in Knoxville. Now it's only by a couple hundred, but Hattiesburg does hold more fans. 200 and almost 300, I think. Who cares uh, about overflow? We were gonna have a watch party bigger than Neyland Stadium outside, just like we did for the Supers in 2021. Yeah, but if you're playing devil's advocate, I would say they only offered a hundred tickets to the public. They didn't even do a general sell. I understand, and I agree with you. I really do. I think it should have been held in Knoxville. No questions asked. And I do think there's a lot of corruption that's going on there. At the end of the day, though, I think their argument is, well, it holds more and Southern Miss doesn't get these types of opportunities. So we need to give this to them to to. They literally hosted a super regional last year where they lost to Ole Miss. Yeah, well, Ole Miss also won the national championship, so I, I don't Would know not, if that's if we, if we replayed fair. that tournament 100 times, that's not happening 99 times. I, I'm just telling you what actually happened. I'm here to tell you, Southern Miss doesn't deserve this opportunity. I agree with you. I do. Brett, Brett Favre stole welfare from the poorest citizens of Mississippi <laughs> okay. to fund the Southern Miss Athletic Department. That is on par with LSU stealing money from a children's hospital. Uh, yeah, I mean – Scumbag move. I think we can all agree with that. But at the same Hattiesburg time, Hattiesburg has less than 20,000 people. The The nicest hotel they have is the La Quinta Inn. The best How many hotels do they have? Have we figured that out? Four or five. The best, I mean, restaurant, the best restaurant in the city limits is a jack-in-the-box. Is there one four-star hotel in Hattiesburg, Mississippi? No. Uh, there can't be. I've, I've, you've probably have, too. I've driven through Hattiesburg. No. Hattiesburg's not even a town that you just drive through. The interstate doesn't go through there. You go around it to go to Baton Rouge. There's nothing noticeable, nice, or worth visiting there. The fourth most interesting attraction in Hattiesburg is the Pocket Museum. You can Google that. That's true, by the way. The most expensive hotel room. And then, look, people don't have money. People afford different hotel rooms. The most expensive hotel room for the weekend of the Super Regionals is $96, the La Quinta Inn and Suites in Hattiesburg, Mississippi. That's terrible. You get a I hotel room at Quality Inn for 60 bucks. So this really started off as a beef with the NCAA, and it's turned into an all-out war. And I, it's not a war with Southern Miss, because Southern Miss is losing. But we've got the Raging Cajuns from Lafayette, have chimed in on Twitter, to which I say we already beat you guys in basketball. LSU is now chiming in, and it's like we beat you guys in basketball and football. I don't know how all these schools got pulled in. I know I've talked to some Ole Miss fans, and they're like, yeah, fuck Southern Miss. I'm rooting for Tennessee. I know Mississippi State split down the middle. I think Arkansas is kind of on the fence as well, but it's just it is getting ugly. Hattiesburg has three, three-star hotels. No four-star, no five-star. Not a single Applebee's. N- all two stars, and they are. I mean, I'm looking at a house right now that is. Uh, I mean, there, there, there's one listen, hotel that has 20 rooms. Listen, we <laughs> we've learned that hotels don't matter because Kentucky was able to host by putting players in. They should. 
Putting players they in should thirty-year-old dorms. They're supposed to matter, but they don't. We're, we're when we put this, we're just gonna put up. I'm going to clip. I'm clipping I'm it right scared. now. I'm not. Scared I'm going to clip pigeon. the the place that you can stay and you can rent an entire seven bedroom house. That's, I don't even know how many square feet, probably 10,000 square feet giant for $250 a night. You could sleep half their fan base. All 12 of them. (laughs) And like all of these accounts on Twitter, none of them have any pictures attached. They all have like a Southern miss player, the coach or the logo yeah, the just the field. logo is what I'm saying. And it's all got like 50 followers. I'm pretty positive it's just the same person with a bunch of different burners, and he follows himself around on each one of them. No notable sports writers. The most notable sports writer had like 6,000 followers, and he got less engagement on his tweet than I did on mine you from did. a couple yeah. days earlier. Yeah. There's nothing noticeable, notable, interesting, or worth visiting in Hattiesburg, Mississippi. It would it would take the whole town of Hattiesburg to fill that stadium up. No. It's 4,000 4, – what, they have 30,000 people there? Yeah, you I mean, could, they have four. You could fit five Hattiesburgs? Hang on, hang on. I got to do the math real quick. Hattiesburg has 19, a little over 19,000 people in it. If, okay, so if one in five people showed up – You could fit 5.3 Hattiesburgs in Neyland Stadium. <laughs> All it takes is one in five to show up, and it'll be full. Frauds. 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 And listen, when Tennessee wins this game, I will declare myself Mayor series. of Hattiesburg. Series. Whatever. It's going to be a sweep. When Tennessee wins this series, I will declare myself Mayor of Hattiesburg. We're going to bulldoze that third-world country of a town, and we're going to put the largest Applebee's in America. Three stories. It'll be like the Bass Pro of Mississippi. It'll be like the old Charlie's Pub that used to live on the strip in Knoxville. <laughs> so j- just as far as predictions go, a- as of now, I mean, I know you have them sweeping Ole Miss, but that's obviously biased because of your hate. I mean, Miss Southern Miss, but that's obviously because you're biased against what yeah. has happened. I don't think they sweep them. I do I think do. Southern I actually, Miss wins I, a game I actually, here. I actually have actual data to support this. Uh, Southern Miss is good, man. They're they're they were the best team in Mississippi by far this year. No, they um, weren't. Are you, can I can I give you my data? Can I give you my reasoning? Please. Tennessee by far has a deeper bullpen. Southern Miss has one really good pitcher who just threw for 160 pitches across two day, yeah, across three days in his regional in SEC play this year. Southern Miss lost to Mississippi State, lost to Ole Miss. Lost to Alabama, and they beat Auburn 72. And Auburn was the fraudiest fraud to ever fraud into hosting a regional. Once again, John Cohen is crooked. Should we start talking about Tennessee's losses, though? I mean, if we're just playing devil's advocate, I mean, I think I'm I'm more interested in Tennessee's wins at this point. I know Tennessee had a rough start to the season, but they closed out the season with wins on the road against ranked South Carolina, who hosted – they just won their regional. How after good was beating, South Carolina at the end? Though? They just won their regional against. I do think South Carolina is a little bit healthier, but I don't think they're great. They just won their region against the fourth overall seed in the country, who by far better than Auburn. And that was a heck of a heck of a game. The 14 inning game against Clemson. That's kind of where you got to showcase the depth that Tennessee had. We only had three pitchers and pitch that entire game, and we were fine. 
Meanwhile, we awarded a team who just lost to Samford and had to fight their way out of the losers bracket. I mean, I don't know. Like what? What Southern Miss did? They beat Auburn, who shouldn't have hosted. They beat Samford, who I mean, let's be honest, not that great. And then they beat an Ivy League school twice, an Ivy League school who was on their last leg at that. I, I do. I agree with you. Obviously, Tennessee I think is Tennessee far wins more battle tested. I just I don't think that it's going to be the sweep quick in and out of Hattiesburg that you think. What it's going to come down to is: Are the bats going to be hot enough for Tennessee? We saw we saw them come alive against Charlotte, another like good mid-major team, so like very similar to Southern Miss in that aspect. Yeah, couple good players, but Tennessee dominated both those games. And then the 14-inning game against Clemson is the one that I really have circled because if it was going to be a close game, I would have figured we would have folded. We did not fold. We held on. We ended up winning. There are some very gritty plays in that game. There's the double play that prevents Clemson from walking it off in the bottom of the 10th. There's the two-run home run in the ninth that gives us a lead but ultimately extends the game. And then there's the walk-off double that scores – and the hold off, the hold on in the 14th inning, the bottom of the 14th, for us to walk away with the win there. And if the Volunteers are known for anything, it's grit. I mean, the name alone. You're welcome, Texas. You're welcome, Texas. I'll say it. I'll say it. Hey, without Tennessee, you'd be North Mexico. Yeah, I'll say it. I am oh, full Lord. of piss and vinegar for this series. Oh, I, I know. can't wait. Hot. The most I'm engagement hot. we've had has been your Twitter the last two days. Honestly. Like a- I was bitching about Lindsey Graham last night and you're fucking firing off tweets left and right. I'm not, I'm not going to worry about 50 follower accounts from Hattiesburg, Mississippi with a baseball field. (laughs) That's not even a tenth of my followers at this point. (laughs) Shout out to Vol Twitter and Vol Nation for keeping up. Yeah, shout out. All right, I've got two other stories. Let's fly through them real quick so I can start editing. First off, we have a group of players holding out on the NCAA video game. They are saying that the $500 that EA Sports is offering is not enough. My comment on this is $500 is more than enough. Most people more. most people are going to play the Dynasty feature. That is the feature that this game, I think, is going to lean on. It's the main one. These players something gonna... I always played, and I'm sure you did too yeah. when, when we were younger. The play these players are not gonna be in that dynasty mode four years down the road. These players that can that could actually move the needle on this won't be there on the second year of the dynasty. 500 is more than fair whenever you look at whenever you look at it in the aggregate. There's very few players that could move the needle on this. Caleb Williams is certainly one. Drake May might be one, but none of them have the star power that previous. Even Joe Milton, maybe. No, I don't think Joe could. But I'm talking I mean, about, I, okay. you. You look at some of the quarterbacks of the last couple of years: Tua, Bryce Young, Trevor Lawrence, C.J. Stroud. I think all three, all four of those guys could have seriously moved the needle on this. I don't think there's like a single star in college that can do that right now. But that's just at the top. Whenever you look at it in the aggregate, and you look at you know not to pick on Southern Miss, but who is buying that game for the quarterback of Southern Miss? Who you'll probably never play with him, or yeah. the lineman from Memphis. Five hundred dollars to me is more than fair, and people are going to say, "Well, people are going to be like, well, they're going to be in the game in perpetuity." I hate to tell you this, they're going to make a new game every year. Yeah, and those guys will be out. And also, 
what's stopping the NC from doing what they did when they were releasing games and just not putting the name on there? Well, well that's exactly what that's exactly what's going to happen. You yeah, can either, yeah, of course it is. It's like it's going to be like the PJ and the LIV. You can either take the 500 now or you can be left out. And what's going to happen is the fans are going to create all the name Players. rosters and the updated attributes. And we're just it's going to so download it off the internet. Too. Yeah, I, mean, I, I was about to I, say. I currently do that for the NCW 14 video game that I still have on my Xbox 360. I mean, it's so easy. You literally go on there. I forgot exactly what you do, but some type of thing of upload roster or whatever. Click a button, and within two minutes, you have not only, you know, Lamar Jackson or Caleb Williams, whoever, whoever you need Hooker. from whatever year. Yeah, Hendon Hooker. And I'll tell you, whenever that video game drops, forget this law stuff. I'm going to become a professional football gamer. I have never lost a game of 14. I am so good at that game. I'd be interested to see. I'm not as good, but maybe we can like hold a little fan game tournament. That'd be fun. Put up a little. We're not putting up. We're not putting up money. We're not racketeering. However, it could be interesting to have like maybe like our our best fans could get into a a quick little tournament of some sorts. And in other news, Nick Saban went to Washington D.C. to ask Congress to to do something about NIL. That's not a this joke. is a loser thing to do. This is a uh, loser, loser thing to do. I'll tell this I is my take Nick on Saban. this. This is my take I've on been, this. Okay. Nick Saban sees the writing on the wall. He just lost to a less talented LSU team. He just lost to Tennessee for the first time in his career at Alabama. He knows he's no longer the top dog in the SEC with Georgia. He's starting like Alabama has recruited fine. They have three of the best recruiting classes in school history of the last six years currently on camp. But what I think they're starting to see is teams like Tennessee that had deep pockets and teams like LSU that always had the talent and finally have a, like a legitimate football coach in Brian Kelly, they're going to start inching closer and closer. Kirby smart already has the model in Georgia. That's an anomaly. Not everyone is going to be back-to-back national champions with all these first round draft picks. But I think there is reason for him to be concerned for his entire career. Since like the eight or nine game debate has been going on since 2012-ish, Nick Saban has said, let's play nine conference games. For the first time ever, he's now saying, let's play eight. Our eight are better than their nine. I firmly believe that Nick Saban knows he's at the end of his career. I think he wants to win one more and retire. And I don't think he thinks he can do that if NIL is allowed to continue the way it is and if his schedule keeps getting harder. I agree. I don't think it's going to go how you think it's going to go. First well, of all, I think he's going to lose. Nick Saban's a fighter. I, I'm everyone is out on Alabama this year, and I do understand why. They obviously smart, have some. A smart man never made money betting against Nick Saban. Facts. But, and, and that's what I'm going with. But I think very soon we're going to say a smart man never made money betting against Kirby Smart. Yes. I'm just not. Everyone is so quick out on them, and I don't get it. They've had down downer years than they were in the past, and Nick Saban has always triumphed. He's always came back. And Nick Saban with a back against the wall is a scary, scary coach to face. And I think that's kind of where he's at. And I, I – I, I, I'm not out on them yet. I think they could still possibly have a good year this year. And, you know, if they have a good year this year, I don't think Nick Saban Saban leaves after this year, no matter what happens. Obviously, if they, you know, lose every game, he'll probably be out. But I I think we've got three more years with Nick Saban. And we might not get a national championship, but I do think we'll get at least – 
two appearances in the playoff. Well, the playoff expands after this year to 12 teams. So that I is would, true. I, a seven and five Alabama squad is going to make a 12 team playoff. It's just, that's the reality of it. Well, Tennessee bias in there, but you know, that's, that's just a fact. I mean, <laughs> what, what do you want me to say to that? I mean, yeah. If, if, if Nick Saban stays three more years and he doesn't win a national title, it'll be the longest spurt at Alabama without him winning a national title. I don't think he makes it. I think he gets asked to step down. Dude. And in the past, we, in the in the past, let me finish. In the past, whenever we've said this about, oh, the dynasty might be ending, we've been able to look at Alabama, a position group, any position group, and been able to say, that's elite. I believe that that is elite, and Alabama can lean on that, and it might not be done yet. I look at the quarterback room. Jalen Milrow has had time, enough time on the field to show that he could be. He's not. I've seen Tyler Buckner play at Notre Dame. He's not elite. I've seen Phil Steele and uh, Tommy Reese offenses and defense for years now. They're not elite coordinators. They don't have a first round elite draft drafted running back anymore. They don't have any developed wide receivers. Their best wide receiver is Jermaine Burton. And then you look at the defense, Kool-Aid McKinstry. That's a very good position group. Their DBs are still going to be very good. But they lost the number two overall draft pick in Bryce Young and the number three overall draft pick in Will Anderson. They lost another, you know, five-star talent in Henry Toa Toa. And I know the draft didn't go the way he wanted, but he's still like a talented. How do you replace all of that? What position group do you look at at Alabama and be like, I believe in this group to get Nick Saban through? Because I can't find it. Alabama. Took in one, two, three, four, five, six. I'm not arguing they're not talented. I'm just arguing who's going to lead that squad. Their two leaders are gone. Their coordinators are brand new. And Phil Steele is not a good defensive coordinator. I'm sorry. There's no way this is accurate. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Nine five stars. In the 2023 class, nine. You don't think that. one of them is going to be a, a game changer? I mean, if if I know two of them are a game changer, they're still going to be relevant and very good. I know it's very hard to play in the SEC as a freshman. Most people don't really get SEC ready until they've had a year of strength and conditioning. Do I believe that someone that came in in December or even later, June, May, is going to be able to compete immediately with a four-star starter at LSU. And forget about four-star starters. We have six-year starters now. 16 four-stars, by the way, coming in this year. 16. Yes, they meet the blue-chip ratio. I'm just saying I don't see it this year. They're still going to be a good team. They're still going to be a good team. But are they going to be a 12-0, 11-1 team going to the playoff after they just couldn't do that with a Heisman-winning quarterback and and two top-five draft picks on either side of the ball? No. No way. Yeah, I mean, maybe it's not this year, but if you – I do think Nick Saban has another three years, and I think Alabama fans are absurd. We can all agree with that, and y'all will meet B-Diz soon, and some of his Alabama takes are a little absurd. But what you need to know is they've still got talent coming in, and they're going to figure it out. I, 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 I'm going to go out and say Alabama wins a championship in the next three years. I'll give you the last word on that. I'm ready to wrap this up. 
I do. With, with all the recruits they have coming in, they're still good. They still got great coaching. Expect Alabama to be there. They have one really good coach in Nick Saban and a bunch of mediocre guys. They've they've made it made it work with what people thought were mediocre for a long time. A lot of people thought Lane Kiffin was mediocre for a long time. Lane Kiffin worked out pretty well. Lane Kiffin's a mediocre head coach. He's a pretty good offensive coordinator. Thank you guys so much for watching this episode. I personally think it was a real heater of an episode. This was a heater. We'll see what it's like after it gets off the the editing floor. But please follow us on Twitter at BadTakeBlake underscore. Follow us on YouTube at BadTakeBlake. If you're listening to us, you're probably listening to us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Give us five stars, like, comment, let us know what regional Duke came out of. And you know what? If you're listening to this, I'm going to put a random player on the Bad Take Blake podcast. Let's start a random player thread. Like, just guys being dudes, random college football players. I'm going to make a pledge here because we spoke about my Twitter usage earlier. Every week, I don't meet at least, we'll say five. We'll call it five to start out with. We'll reevaluate in three weeks. Every week, I don't meet five tweets whether it's replies or, you know, updates, whatever. I pick one listener who tweets me, they get 20 bucks. I'll buy them lunch. I posted a tweet three days ago that has 69,000 views. We're there, guys. We're, we're so close. You're talking five. How about 5,000? Let's do – all right, bye. You want to up it? We'll do seven. If I don't have if I don't have seven tweets by the end of this week, oh, I thought we were talking I'll, views. I'll, I didn't realize we were talking actual tweets. No, but actual yeah, no, tweets. Seven, seven tweets. So we'll do seven tweets at the end of the week. I'll pick a listener. You who have tweets to live me. You have to live tweet the super regional game on Saturday. Fair enough. Sunday. Uh, Sunday. I was thinking the because I'm going to the- be at my grandmother's for her birthday, so I'm not going to be able to on Saturday. Tennessee is Saturday, right? Or who is yeah, Saturday? They play at two our time. I thought it was twelve, but you're probably right. Two Central. Yeah. Okay, you're right. And then South Carolina is also Saturday, and Texas is Saturday. Okay. Yeah. Seven tweets. Cole, Blake, our our normal interactors. You Ian, could get a free lunch. Eric. Ian, Eric, you know, you could get a free lunch. Trey. Could you be in there? I don't know. I mean, he uh, follows, here, he and I'll, I'll special it up. You get to pick. Oh, I, get to I don't pick. pick. Yeah, you get to pick. I'm going to go ahead and tell everyone I'm going to do a random name generator. That is there how I'm going to pick. We're going to keep it random because I think this qualifies as a promotion. Official Let's terms, void, void where prohibited. Thank you guys so much for following, watching. See you Thanks, next time. Thanks, guys.